Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's that? Who pays your salary? What's that? Who pays? What's that? We're not a democracy! This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Relentless Daring Media Network. Welcome back to Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show. I'm on twitch.tv slash Tyler Morgan Show, or maybe you're checking this out later on the YouTubes, youtube.com slash at the Tyler Morgan Show, or you're checking this out on Rumble. Let's go to rumble.com and search for the Tyler Morgan Show, and you will see this glorious face. Uh, also, while you're there at the uh, YouTubes and the Rumbles, please hit the uh, like for the video, and then subscribe, and then uh, hit the bell for the uh, notifications. That way, when the episodes post, or if I do anything standalone that I decide I'm going to put out, you will get the notification that hey, he just released new content. Also, uh, YouTube, or as well as YouTube and Rumble, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're a first-time listener. The you know. Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Amazon Music, CastBox, you name a place to listen to podcasts, and you can hear this glorious voice. <clears throat> but before I get into the wild and wacky news of the week, although it, while it is wild, it is not wacky, let me talk to you about beard oil. Yes, that's right. Beard oil, because if you're watching this on video, you see this nice, long, glorious man mane. You know, slide my uh, microphone out of the way and figure out which is the right direction to lean to get out from behind the uh, picture of the uh, blue-collar beardsman there. And this is what I use to maintain my beard. If you've been following me for the last year, you've noticed it's gotten rather long. There's like 11 months worth of growth going on. I mean, yeah, I kind of cleaned up my cheeks a little bit, so it's not quite as long. But when you start wanting to grow a beard out, and even if you uh, keep a short and well-maintained beard, it can still get dry and itchy, and the skin underneath can get red and irritated, and it's like having dandruff on your face instead of just on your head. And you, <clears throat> it's uncomfortable. The hair is brittle. It tangles up. It, 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 it It's just kind of gross. So what I do is I use blue collar beardsman beard oil to treat my beard. It has a number of amazing scents. Um, if you subscribe, you can, uh, you know, get a fresh scent every month. That's what I do. I mean, for February, they had the ranch hand, which I grew up working in horse stables. So when I got the ranch hand, it just like took me back to smell of leather in the tack room. It was freaking amazing. And for the month of March to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, they had their uh, dirty hands clean money scent. I mean, Irish Spring soap is immediately what comes to mind. I think that's actually one of the flavor profiles that they used to come up with the scent for this month's beard oil. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Their standard lineup is just top-notch. I love it. You also have a, a different sense of beard butters. So you get a little bit of hold, like a pomade. You get that all the conditioning effect of using the beard oil with it. Absolutely love it. And you know, They also have combs and hats and other stuff you can buy. And the combs are nice because they're good, like heavy, heavy-duty carbon fiber combs. So... Use them if your beard does start to tangle. It helps pull those tangles out without snapping the teeth off. So many great products from Blue Collar Beardsman. Check them out, bluecollarbeardsman.com. All right, so 
this episode might get a little spicy. Because I've got feelings. Uh, For those of you who are not aware, uh, the Blaze Media uh, investigative journalist Steve Baker turned himself into the FBI on uh, yesterday, Friday, to be arrested for charges related to January 6th. Now, I know what you're asking. Why is a journalist being arrested for January 6th? Well, Steve Baker was one of, I think, 60 journalists who went into the Capitol on January 6th and recorded the events as they were unfolding. Now, a number of journalists probably will never be charged because they had official press credentials. And, uh, you know, Elijah Schaefer, who was formerly, yeah, formerly with the Blaze until he got fired for grabbing hold of the chesticles of a fellow Blaze host, neither here nor there, um, he had official credentials, so he's pro- he probably will not be charged. Uh, there was, a, was it a New York Times reporter who was the fifth person into the building, and they went in through a broken window, but probably had press credentials or just happened to work for the New York Times and hasn't been speaking out against you know, the the government narrative probably will not be charged, but a number of independent journalists have already been charged and convicted of crimes related to January 6th because they followed the story. Now, one of them, uh, John Sullivan, he is the, uh, the guy who got the recording of Ashley Babbitt being shot. He's also not exactly a great person. He is, um, he, he, he's a leftist. He is a provocateur. Um, he has been implicated in attacks on pro Trump people. He's been attacked on, uh, BLM counter protesters. He, like I said, he's not exactly a great guy, great or and a great journalist. But you know, and his charges, you know, stem from me obviously coming in through the broken window, and and he's you know one of those, when people talk about. Oh, it's just a conspiracy theory that Antifa was was hiding amongst the, the MAGA crowd. Well, I've seen pictures of John Sullivan from that day. He was wearing a MAGA hat when he went, when he was participating in it because he didn't want to get seen as a pro-Antifa, pro-BLM guy in the middle of the crowd. And he, you know, he has like a weapons charge for you know, having a knife and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I think he was probably far worse than a lot of the journalists there. There's uh, some other independent journalists who never heard of that have also been charged. And some of them were definitely in the heat of the moment, not acting like journalists. They were acting like they were part of the crowd and, you know, participating in the shenanigans as well as recording what was going on. But then you have Steve Baker. Steve Baker, as far as I can tell, has always been a straight-laced guy. Whenever he is doing journalism, he is doing journalism. Uh, On January 6th, he was there at the Capitol getting footage of the protests outside. Then, as the crowd pushed through the gates, 
reached the building, he followed the story. And his involvement was critical, not only to just, you know, the FBI investigating, trying to see what happened, what unfolded inside the building. His footage was bought by news agencies. It was used by the January 6th clown show, Jan 6th, January 6th committee. I'm sorry, sorry, editorializing. For the January 6th dog and pony show, they used his footage to show what was happening inside the Capitol. The FBI, again, part of the investigation, probably being used to help identify members of the crowd so that way they can, you know, go after everyone. But they were quiet for nearly two years. And then as Steve Baker started diving into the narrative, he ruffled feathers. He poked the bear. And the bear decided that it has to bite. It will not stand a journalist looking into the narrative, asking questions about, well, if they found this pipe bomb outside the DNC headquarters where the vice president-elect is currently at, and a plainclothes officer goes, oh, look, there's a, there's a pipe bomb. Walks over to the Secret Service vehicle and tells the detail, uh, hey, I think there's a pipe bomb over there. And they sit long enough to finish eating their sandwiches. They do not immediately go, holy crap, put the food down, evacuate the area, establish a cordon, and get help immediately. No one else is asking why this happened. Steve Baker was. Steve Baker is the only one asking, wow, this security camera that's facing the area of the pipe bombs has not moved in months. But magically... As the delayed response begins taking place, someone gets on the camera, moves around, and panning. Okay, it kind of makes little sense there. You know, search the crowd, see if there's anyone paying a little too much attention, acting kind of guilty. You know, make sure there's not going to be someone come from an weird direction and attack the first responders. And then it goes back. And as they start to work on the bomb with the robot, it it moves away and faces 90 degrees from the bomb. And is not actually really looking at anything pertinent. Mainstream media is not asking the questions about that. They don't care because they have their narrative. They're just going to stick with it. Steve Baker is asking these questions. When a journalist first got access to the January 6th uh, security camera footage inside the Capitol, Steve Baker was one of those journalists who got access. And he attended the trials of uh, the Proud Boys members. He was in the courtroom when Capitol Police officers said the, the, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, were yelling racial epithets and racial slurs at him. And then he starts watching the video and he finds that officer 
But the only interactions that he seems to have with any anyone in the Capitol is relatively benign. As a matter of fact, he is not in the frame when the Oath Keepers that allegedly taunted him with racial slurs and epithets you know, he wasn't there when they were. Another officer who said that he was, you know, he he was a witness to this. He had to assist, move people along the other officers. He was in a completely different building, and it took him like almost eight minutes to travel from the Senate office building to the Capitol through the underground tunnels and arrive at that that location where nothing really happened. Steve Baker was pointing out these blatant lies. Lies that were probably told to the FBI and I don't know, the last time I checked, uh, if you asked Michael Flynn if you if you knowingly or unknowingly lie to the FBI, they will charge you for lying to the FBI. That in and of itself is a crime besides just uh, obstruction. They perjured themselves in multiple trials in D.C. They perjured themselves in sworn testimony to Congress. But these guys are still held up like heroes. The only person, again, asking questions and pointing out that there's no way any of that could happen was Steve Baker. And what does he get for his troubles for doing actual journalism? He catches the ire of the DOJ. You see, Steve Baker, when asked by the FBI, hey, uh, we are going to, we, we want to see these videos. Okay, sure, I'll, here, here's copies of them. Take them. When asked questions about, about it, you know, when, when subpoenaed by another a federal court about his videos related to that day. I mean, he didn't try to obfuscate. He's just like, okay, yeah, you, you want my video evidence? Okay, I'm, here's my video evidence. He's acting 100% like a journalist. And as a result, it made him the target of an FBI probe, which led to his arrest. And I I don't have time to be able to go through the full statement of facts, air quotes, concerning concerning, uh, the arrest affidavit. But if I can get to the right place on my old... Facebook here, I do have the charging document that has his actual alleged crimes. All right, so criminal complaint. I, the complainant in this case, state that the following is true to the best of my knowledge and belief. Uh Uh-huh. That on... About dates January 6, 2021, in the county of blank in the District of Columbia, the defendant violated codes, blah, blah, blah. Knowingly entering or remaining in an, in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. This is something that Steve Baker admits because, again, he was following the story. And there has been precedent where... You know, if during a peaceful protest you march across a, lo- a private lawn, 
You know, it's First Amendment activity. You didn't plan on walking across that lawn, but it just kind of happened. And, you know, we really can't charge trespass. But they're, but they're going, well, and this is an argument that's made, been made by prosecutors against some of these journalists that have always, that, are, that have already, you know, been tried or accepted plea deals is that the First Amendment does not give you a right to break crimes, does not give you a right, give you a right to trespass. Well, I don't know, if you are a journalist and the story, you know, i.e. the riots going on at the Capitol go into the building, Wouldn't you follow the crowd to see, oh my gosh, what damage are they doing? What's going on here? What's going on there? It's what people do. And the the whole idea that he, he trespassed on public property it, it is kind of silly in and of itself. I it'd be like getting, getting, you know, in trouble for recording a march, whether it's peaceful, whether it's violent. You're there in downtown, whatever any town USA, and they go, oh, because you were there, you know, we're going to charge you the same with the same crimes as the people who were smashing windows and this, that, and the other. It's like, well, I wasn't doing any of that. Well, you were there. Well, yeah, I was recording it. I was recording it before all that started. And then, you know, as it happened, I thought, well, it might be a good idea to have it all on film. But like I said the, the prosecutors, they don't care about the First Amendment. I mean, that's the reason why you have a number of journalists who, because they were not part of the established media, they were not certified, they were not credentialed, if you will. They're being prosecuted as the others are being left to do what they do best, and that is to journalism. Anyways, charge number two, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. Well, early, early, early Friday morning, Congressman Barry Loudermilk and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, they did something a little crazy. They released as much footage as they could find, <coughs> pardon me, as their staffers could find and get converted from the CCTV uh, format to MP4. And they sent it to... The blaze. They sent it to the attorneys for Mr. Baker. They were doing everything they could. And if you watch the video, everywhere you see him, he's usually pushed up against the wall, standing in a door frame. He had he's either got his phone or his camera out taking pictures or recording video. He has his notebook out that he's scared. Writing down what he's doing. He's not disruptive. He's not disorderly. And this is something that is mentioned many times in the actual statement of facts that he was serving in the capacity as a journalist. Charge number three disorderly conduct in the Capitol building. Again, You can look at the video evidence. He is not disorderly. Parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Again, he's not doing any of that. It's on video. He's not doing any of it. Yet, the FBI and the DOJ believe they have this airtight case. And honestly, if you, I recommend you read the charging documents. I will try to get the link to those and put them in the show notes so you can check them out for yourself. 
But multiple times, the FBI agrees, yes, he was being a journalist. But the majority of their case is not built on what he was actually doing that day. The majority of their case <coughs> comes from uh, his YouTube channel, uh, The Pragmatic Conservative, or the, pra- the Pragmatic Constitutionalist, and other interviews he did prior to any interview he had with the FBI, right, and, but after January 6th, not on, and some before, where he said that, you know, the people going in, you know, talking about going into a Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's office, he got in there and he was disappointed that her computers were already gone because he would have liked to take them. It's probably a little hyperbolic. But same time, as a journalist, oh my God, I got the speaker's computer that if I can get someone to hack into it and get it cracked, what kind of stuff would be on here? He made comments like that. He said it absolutely 100% needed to happen. Again, not the day of, but several days after. He made comments that, you know, the people going into Nancy Pelosi's office and breaking stuff and putting their feet up on her desk couldn't have happened to a, couldn't have happened to a better bitch. Again, not the day of. This is publicly available YouTube video and podcast interviews that he had done. When asked about it in an FBI interview, he said, yes, I did say that. But as a libertarian, I'm neither right nor left. If they had gone into Mitch McConnell's office, I would have said it couldn't have happened to a more deserving bastard. I, he, he's on an even keel with this, but it, it's ridiculous though, that a journalist has to worry that by recording a story involving the federal government, they could wind up in jail or, you know, in the case of Catherine Herridge, which I'm going to get into probably after the break. Um, find yourself in contempt because you won't give up your sources. It's not the first time in American history. Um, I look what happened to, oh, who was the Fox host or the Fox news reporter who was being targeted by the Obama administration? Was it major Garrett? I believe it was major Garrett. had sources and he was being attacked and the FBI and DOJ was going after him over confidential sources that he had as a journalist. People talked all the time. Donald Trump was so bad. Donald Trump was so bad. Because, oh my God, he called called mainstream media the enemy of the people. Well, when you're the mainstream media and you are complicit in spreading a false narrative that makes the government look good and these people over here look like a bunch of unhinged yahoos, and you don't push back against the narrative because you like the guy who's in charge of the federal government right now. That guy's great. These guys are a bunch of freaking rubes. So I'm going to go with my normalcy bias. I'm going to go with my confirmation bias, and I'm going to side with them over the truth. That makes you an enemy of the people. Plain and simple. 
You are not acting as the fourth estate. You're not acting as the fourth branch of government, the one that's supposed to keep all the branches in check. Whether it's a corrupt judge, whether it is a corrupt congressman, whether it's a corrupt executive, you, as journalist, should always be seeking the truth 100% of the time. Consequences be damned. If the truth lines up with your preconceived notions and your biases, hey, that's great. But when the truth does not match your biases, when the truth runs 180 degrees from your preconceived notions, when it's askew at any angle from what you're already thinking, and you get an answer you don't like, guess what? That's the truth. That's what journalists always say they're there to report, the truth. No, journalists today, if if they want to move up, they want that CNN gig, they want that NBC gig, they want the CBS, ABC gig, they will say whatever lines up with what they believe True or not, they will buy into whatever narrative they're fed as long as it doesn't require them to engage a little uh, cognitive dissonance to realize that maybe they're not right. And then when they face any pressure, they buckle and just, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. Anyways, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be right back. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Alright, so before I get back into it, I can tell you about something else I love besides all this glorious whiskey above my head. If you're watching on the YouTube or Rumbles, I will tell you about coffee. Yes, that's right. Coffee is the, the magic beverage that I use to start my day most every day. And when I'm at work, they had this nasty swill that whenever I fill a cup, it's like one quarter coffee, three quarters cup water to thin it out because it's just so nasty and undrinkable. But if you want coffee that is 100% drinkable every time, I recommend American Pride Roasters. American Pride Roasters has a great assortment of just regular unflavored beans. They have, if you're into the, the flavored coffees, they have that. So many good things to choose from. And speaking of flavored coffees, I saw that uh, Dave Matthews, the owner of APR Coffee was commenting on the price of vanilla. And as a result, for a long time, he said it was up like a thousand percent. So it has caused the price of the Thomas Jefferson to go up because it's a vanilla flavored coffee. Well, if vanilla flavored coffee is your thing, um, keep an eye on it because as the prices of vanilla are coming down, he might be able to work on lowering the price of the Thomas Jefferson blend. So, just something to keep in mind. Again, I like my coffee, coffee flavored. So, you know, the Cal, the Calvin Coolidge, the Teddy Roosevelt, the Frederick Douglass. These, these are like my go-to flavors 
from American Pride Roaster because, again, it's just great black coffee with great flavor. And the way he blends these beans and roasts them to get just the right uh, chef's kiss flavor to them without going too long and starting to burn them, without not roasting long enough and it leaves it really bitter. Dave does an amazing job. So check them out, American Pride Roasters. Historically, great coffee. All right, so the other big journalism story uh, that's really you know got my panties in a bunch this week concerns Catherine Herridge. Catherine Herridge is a long-time journalist. She is a journalist of the old-school variety where she doesn't care what the truth is other than that it is, in fact, the truth. She will report and give what she finds regardless of how it lines with her political views. Well, she, for a long time, was on uh, the press pool for the Pentagon. And during that time, she had an informant come and talk about Pentagon ties to China and universities, and she reported on it. Well, someone didn't like it, and they're suing to find, find out her sources because... Nothing bad could ever happen when a source who comes to you in confidence gives you information and can back it up. Not only do they give you a tip, they give you the receipts to go with it. Who is going to do that? Because there's times where going through the official whistleblower process, one thing they don't tell you is that the inspectors general, they're the ones who actually decide, hey, is this person a legitimate whistleblower or not? And if they're part of the good old boy system, where while they're supposed to be, supposed to be, An unattached third party, they might still, eh, this isn't really whistleblower concern. You're not really a whistleblower, but we'll take your uh, comments and your tips under advisement. But, so she had the whistleblower come to her and say, all right, this is really hinky. Here's these emails, the receipts. Look into it. And she connects the dots, and um, I said it upset somebody. So a federal judge on Thursday held veteran journalist Catherine Harridge in contempt of court, finding her $800 per day for refusing to divulge her sources for a series of stories posted in 2017 while she was a correspondent at Fox News. Harridge, who has aggressively fought the case, is expected to appeal the judge's decision. The case has sweeping First Amendment implications for journalists and news organizations across the country. And keep in mind, she was recently let go from CBS News over this case. And then add on top of it that um, CBS News then said, oh, yeah, we're also going to uh, keep all of your files, all of your correspondence, all of your emails, all of your correspondence, blah, 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 blah. Which any journalist will tell you, uh, no. But fortunately, as a member of SAG-AFTRA, as my opinions on the Screen Actors Guild in general, they have swung back at CBS saying, uh, no. You've never asked this of any other journalist who we represent. So we are going to do everything to stonewall you and let her keep all of her information, all of her notes, all of her contacts. Because if CBS has her contacts, they might be able 
turn those over to the FBI or over to the federal judge and be like, hey, we found her stuff. Yeah, she left it here after we after we fired her. So uh, maybe this will be helpful. It could cause a lot of sources that she has been working with for years. Throughout her time at uh, CBS, Fox, ABC, all the places she has worked. That she might still be using these sources on a regular basis. It would jeopardize every bit of trust that she would have and she would no longer have credibility as a journalist to hear a potential whistleblower in confidence and not divulge their name because it puts them at risk, be it career-wise, safety-wise. Heritage left Fox News in 2019, was recently laid off by CBS News, refused in September to disclose the sources used for her stories defying a court order issued earlier in the year by U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. The order from Judge Christopher Cooper came out as a result of a lawsuit filed by Chinese-American scientist Yan Ping Chen against the FBI. Citing documents reviewed by Fox News, Harris reported that Chen was the subject of an FBI investigation. Chen, who was never charged, has alleged that federal authorities improperly leaked information about about her violating the Privacy Act. In an effort to prove her case, Chen subpoenaed Herridge and Fox News with the hope of unmasking the reporting sources. Fox News and Herridge aggressively fought the move, arguing that Cooper should quash the subpoenas because of First Amendment protections afforded to the press. But Cooper disagreed and ordered otherwise, stating that, quote, Chen's need for the requested evidence overcomes Harris's qualified First Amendment privilege in this case. End quote. So that set the stage for a September 26th deposition of Harridge when the journalist was repeatedly asked how she obtained the information for her 2017 stories. Harridge politely declined to answer dozens of such questions. In Thursday's order, Cooper acknowledged that his decision would have implications for the press. Uh, the, the court does not reach this result lightly. It recognizes the paramount importance of a free press in our society and the critical role that confidential sources play in the work of investigative journalists like Harridge. Yet the court also has its own role to play in upholding the law and safeguarding judicial authority. Yeah, it's ridiculous that a judge thinks that they can just say, well, I'm a judge and to maintain my authority. Uh, See, what did Arnold Schwarzenegger say about during COVID? Oh, screw your freedom. Just because Chen was investigated but never charged does not mean that her name cannot be released. Because someone could FOIA the records concerning Chen and release that information because, hey, I got it through a FOIA. But no, they're pitching a fit and having a bitch fest over the fact that a confidential source came to a journalist. Because maybe the whole investigation into Chen was bullcrap. They knew it was bullcrap, and they didn't want to put their career at risk. They didn't want to end up like the suspendables, those whistleblowing FBI agents like Stephen Friend or Kyle Seraphim who have lost employment. They've lost the ability to work because... The FBI will do a will do a crazy thing. They will suspend you without pay, but because you haven't been fired, you're just on suspension. You have to go to the FBI for permission to work a civilian job, and then. 
they deny your ability to take on employment elsewhere just to make you sweat. I mean, who wants to be in that position? I mean, if you've got nothing left to lose and you say, screw it, and you know, throw caution to the wind and you go to the IG or you go to the press with your name fully out there, God bless you. And that takes cojones. But there are people who want to continue to do the work for the right reason, the people who want to continue that mission in the FBI, the CIA, Pentagon, whatever. And they know if they can just keep digging up dirt and keep working the system, they might be able to have a positive effect on it. More power to you. That also takes balls to be able to say, you know what? I've got this dirt. I'm willing to put it out there. I've got the receipts to back it up. But I don't want my name out there because I think I can get more. I think I can do more. And so they keep working within the system and they don't want their name to be made public because they will lose their access. I mean, that's some grade-A espionage stuff right there, and it's freaking awesome. And Catherine Herridge, I mean... Cheers to you and your massive, shiny set of nuts to tell the judge, uh, piss off, I'm not giving up the name. That is freaking awesome that you are putting your career, not only your career, you're putting your financial uh, well-being on the line by just accruing these uh, $800 a day fines. Because how long is it till that judge goes, okay, well, it's, if $800 a day hasn't moved you, it puts you in jail till you talk. That is, that is when our whole system of government goes from a republic of the people, by the people, for the people, to the most Chiquita of banana republics. You have journalists being arrested because they journal they did journalism during a huge event and then had the audacity to have opinions and editorialize those opinions after the fact or before the fact, not during, but before and after, or by willing to take a stand against a judge saying, uh, no, you're going to tell me that name. Ah, piss off, Lou. No, that's... We are... Sadly, I'm afraid heading to the final days of this republic. I don't want to see this country fail. As a veteran, I fought my ass off for this country. Many have died. Many have been severely wounded. On behalf of a apathetic nation. Sure, they drop their platitudes and, oh, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for your service. To the point where it's just a rote response to knowing that somebody is in the military. But there's this, there's this thing about this country that makes it the greatest country in all the world, and that is our Constitution. That is what I took an oath to uphold and defend. That is what I am trying to do through this podcast is to uphold and defend 
that document. The Declaration of Independence, where we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the most important thing. That is the most important reason why I put on that uniform. That is the most important reason why I was willing to travel 8,000 miles to Iraq. That is the reason why I was willing to travel 9,000 miles to Afghanistan twice. It's the reason why I was willing to be on the front lines for the people of this country. It wasn't for money. It wasn't to, you know, a better economic decision than some burned out husk of a rust belt town. It's because I believe in the principles this country was founded on and seeing the federal government be it the FBI, the DOJ, the courts, coming after people for adhering to those rights in that Constitution that they, too, have an obligation to protect. That's why it pisses me off so much. It's the reason why I get so animated, so emotional Because I'm willing to die to keep it alive. And they're willing to jail, maim, and kill whoever they have to to maintain power. They're not willing to die for a cause, but by God, they are willing to kill for it. And it worries me that with the Texas border situation, with what's going on with journalists being attacked by the DOJ and by the federal courts in this country that we are headed towards a second civil war. I do not want that. I want to make that perfectly crystal clear. I do not want a second civil war. The first one took the lives of 600,000 Americans. When you add the Confederates and the Union soldiers, the civilians who died as a result of that conflict. How much worse would those numbers be if it were to happen a second time because... We had to stage a second revolution, a second civil war, in order to overthrow an out-of-control government. How many people in power would not hesitate to follow uh, Eric Swalwell's suggestion of, well, we have nukes, and would be willing to evaporate American citizens, many of whom probably don't care one way or the other as long as they can turn on their internet and watch Netflix because we have put ourselves into a brave new world society. Well, honestly, it's it's a brave new world uh, 1984 hybrid. You have a surveillance state that spies on you that will gladly act against you at the drop of a hat if they even perceive that you might be pushing back against something that they really want. Meanwhile, we are just bread and circusing ourselves into complicity. We just stand back and we watch it happen. We don't care. We're not willing to stand up to it. Because, ooh, that would make us uncomfortable. And as Thomas Jefferson pointed out, again, that Declaration of Independence, 
we are willing to accept a long train of abuses until it becomes so uncomfortable we cannot stand it anymore. My question is, how long are we going to let the federal government keep punching us in the face without doing anything until it comes to the point that there isn't a choice, that violence must be meted out? I hope and pray we don't get to that point. I hope and pray that the right people get themselves elected. The right people work to get appointed into positions where they can have an effect on the out-of-control executive. Pare it down. Return the power of the federal government back to the American people who gave it to them in the first place. I know it's a big ask that America pulls its head out of its uh, collective fourth point of contact. But in the end, if we don't, I fear the results will be damn bloody. That's going to wrap it up for this week. I know, kind of on a downer note there, but uh, it is what it is. You come to come to me for my unvarnished, unbought, untainted opinion, and I give it to you whether I want to or not because, kind of like I said about the truth earlier, Sometimes the truth isn't what you want to see. But it's very important that you see it. So it's my that's how my opinion on this kind of rolled out there at the end. But anyways, uh, thank you for listening or watching on YouTube. Remember YouTube and Rumble if you subscribe. Subscribe, like, hit the bell for announcements, all that good stuff. Uh you're a podcast listener. Ask the same four things every week. Number one, please subscribe or follow whatever the your platform of choice has. After that, please rate this show five stars, four stars, three and below. Uh, yeah, you might want to hit me up on the uh, Twitters at fake Tyler Morgan and DMs are open. Just be like, hey, here's why I thought you were a three, two or one star show. And yeah, I can work to be better because, you know, a good, helpful, negative review, a critique, if you will, does better than just being a jerk. And if you go ahead and you give me that three, two, or one star and give me a jerk rate, a jerk review, because item number three always asks for the review, you give me a kind of rotten, dirty, ad hominem laced review. Believe me, you'll be like the guy comparing comparing me to an Alex Jones who likes to speak way too much about himself. I will bring you up, and I will make fun of you. It's what I do. Finally, once you have subscribed, rated, and reviewed, please share this episode, Who, especially this episode, because I think this is one of my more important episodes that really discusses Way, where we are in this country right now. So please share it. Get out there. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or relentlessdaring.com hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from purpleplanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1-7
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.